The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Jesse Giglio is speaking. Last weekend, we talked about this little bit of the story of Abraham. And Abraham is counted as one of God's like all-time faith leaders in, in Hebrews 11, this sort of hall of faith chapter. And, and Abraham's faith, and the main act that he, Hebrews, author of Hebrews points out, is that his faith was reckoned to him because he obeyed God, listened, and went into a land that he didn't even know where he was going yet. So he was called out into this place that God said, I'm going to give you some place, but you don't know, even know what it is yet. And not, not only that, as it goes on, as his story goes on, as the narrative goes on through Abraham, it, it kind of says, you don't know where you're going yet, and actually you're not even going to ever get there, but I want you to go there. He doesn't actually receive this land. His descendants, God says, this is about your descendants. But Abraham is still required to kind of pack up his bags and start walking into this journey to this place. He's, he doesn't know where he's going or, or if he's going to get there. And God kind of makes it clear at some point, like, you're actually not going to get there, but, but keep going, right? And that's a hard place to be. When God sort of speaks to us to go and to obey, without us, we talked about last week about not, you're not going to get the prize. Like, well, do I get a prize if I go? Like, no, there's no prize here. You just go because I'm God and you should be going. And the prize actually we begin to see is uncovered in those sort of hard moments of our life, right? When we kind of walk out in those places and it's difficult and there's process happening. And you kind of can look back like, you know what? There was actually a little bit of a gem in that season for me. I mean, whatever that is, whether that's in your sort of relationships or jobs or kids or parents or, or, or church or travel, wherever those kind of things is, things, sickness, things you've battled look like, you know what, there was actually something in that, in the process that was really beautiful and I learned from. But today, and if we look at this life of Abraham, we'll get into a little bit uh, in Genesis 12 in just a moment. Uh, but he begins this process, and I can't help but kind of think about his life. He's, he's getting older, and, and God's sending him out. It's very open-ended as to when he's going to get there, if kind of ever. And today, how badly we just sort of sometimes, we just want to get there. Like, when are we going to get there? When am I going to get there? When is it going to happen? How long do I have to wait? And certainly that's easy for, like, you know, kids. That's sort of a, a classic sort of car trip, road trip kind of thing. We're almost there. You're almost there yet. But really, as adults, we sort of carry sometimes the same frustration. Like, when am I going to get there? And wherever there is, sometimes there is a, is a better job, sometimes it's a bigger house, that's another car, it's a, it's a relationship. Uh, sometimes it's sort of this idea we have about what it looks like to be a, a, a person of faith or a Christ follower. Like, when am I going to get to be there like that guy? And like, when, when do we get there? We get frustrated in the process when we don't get there fast enough, right? We're not great at process this day and age. We want things fast. That's sort of our McDonald's generation. We want things very, very quickly. Things just get faster and faster. If the internet's too slow, it really irritates us, right? Like, ah, like at the end of the world, if it's taken a while for a page to load, right? It's like, ah, we just, we, we, we're uncomfortable with that. And I think that trickles down into our life, our spiritual life. And sort of the process God has for us. Because God is not concerned about getting anywhere fast. The guy's got all the time in the world. He doesn't care. He's not interested in that. And he'll, he'll, be, he'll make people wander around as long as it, he thinks it takes for them to get to the point. We see that a lot of times, particularly in the Old Testament, through the wanderings. But even in the New Testament, as Jesus walked with his disciples, there was no fast track. He took the time it, it, it needed for them to get certain points. But we kind of want to arrive fast and easy. and We just want to get there. I don't particularly, I love going places. I love getting to new places. I don't particularly like traveling to there. I, I, I don't like long road trips. Like, I love Yosemite. I don't like driving, like, past Bakersfield on the 99. It's just like, ah, this, this, this is terrible, right? Um, 
but I like getting there. And so we have to begin to find these, the, the, the beauty in sort of the process. So, so Abraham, the story goes like this in, in Genesis 12, and we'll get through a little bit today. And we'll, we'll probably continue this maybe for the next few weeks. The Lord has said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So this is what's referred to in, in Hebrews 11. He said, get up and go, leave all your people and go into this place. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make great your name, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse you, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So God's really pumping up this promise. Like, this is going to be awesome, dude. Like, you don't even know. Like, anyone who jumps on with you, I'm going to bless them. And anyone who's against them, I'm going to be against them. And, I, and people, through, through generations and generations, all the people of the earth are going to look back and point to this moment, this person. Right? And that's huge. Like, that's amazing for Abraham to kind of receive that. I'm not sure what he, what he thought that actually meant. Remember Abraham at this time, he couldn't have kids of his own. If you remember the story, he's married Sarah and Sarah can't have kids. And they're just sort of living in that like bit of a bummer. Like, well, we're old, it's not going to happen. And God said, hey, listen, don't count yourself out yet. I've got something for you. Pack up all your stuff and leave this area and, 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 just, start, and just start going. Start moving in, in this direction. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Remember there was this tension because God said, hey, leave all your family behind and, and go. And like the first thing Abraham does is he takes his cousin and a bunch of people with him. But that's okay. God's like, we'll still work with that. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai and, and his nephew Lot. All the possessions they'd accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. So again, God said, hey, I need this really radical act of faith for you. I want you to leave everything behind. Drop all that you're doing. Leave your family. Leave all your stuff. And totally, 100% trust me and just start going. And so Abraham's like, I'm in. But I'm taking Lot and my wife, all my kids, all my people, all my stuff. Right? Like, and God's like, all right. Like, but that's awesome. I think we can understand that grace of God in the calling of our lives. When he calls us to step out... He's looking for us to step out and start moving, right? He, he, he makes these, maybe these sort of promises, hey, I'd love for you to do this, but he doesn't hold it against us when we don't go all the way. We, we kind of touched on that a little last week. It's like, all right, he kind of halfway obeyed, but God's like, all right, let's, let's just keep the story moving, right? And I think we have to have grace for ourselves in those moments as God calls us out. Maybe that's to talk to somebody or maybe that's something in, in ministry or it's to quit a job or take a job or sell something or buy something. And you're kind of like, ah, you start moving toward that. That's okay. There's, there is grace for that. The, the trick is to start moving toward the right, in the right direction. And Abraham begins moving in the right direction, even though he didn't know where he was going. And, and again, the writer in Hebrew is like, Abraham was awesome. Look at this guy, Abraham. He's talking to the people of that time in this sort of New Testament age when the church is forming and they're under immense persecution. They don't know what's happening. And the writer of Hebrews is like, look at this guy, how he got up and went. And at that point of the story, it didn't really matter how it got started. Is that he got going and he went. So Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. Let me flip to that map, Jed. There's a couple, and they don't show up real great, but I can kind of, we looked at this last week. There's this, there's this arc of travel. And so probably where Abraham started out was down at the bottom of that side of the screen. There's this, this kind of bow. That's where he was with his family. That's probably where the first calling happened. And what happened from that point is he went all the way up to Haran, but that was with his dad. So his dad and even more family went with him. Then God kind of spoke to him again. I kind of need you to get moving Again, and so Canaan was down here. So see, Egypt's down where that pyramid is, and uh, and that's sort of the land where he's heading toward. Right before Egypt is sort of the promised 
land. And let's go to the next slide, Jet. You can just kind of see again this sort of arc of his, of his, of his journey. And up here is, is where he's coming from in Haran. He's going to come down here to Bethel. And this is going to come up next in this story. But he's kind of meandering through these towns. This is where, where Jerusalem would be. There's the Dead Sea. We obviously will read about that in the story of Moses. So this begins to form up where this land will be. And so Abraham's heading down into this land. Egypt's, Egypt's right here. And, 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 the, and it's the land of Canaan. And the Canaanites are all there. Like, they live there. That's their home. Like, that's their nation. And God said, hey, this is your land. And Abraham's like, well, that's interesting. These guys think it's their land. And God said, that's all right. Don't worry about that yet. So he set up for Canaan. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the great tree of Morah. And, and God said, this is going to be your place. And to your offspring, I will give you this land. And so Abraham would be looking at that with his natural eye. and say, all right. I'm in. I don't get it. I don't know where these people are going to go because someone else thinks it's their land. But all right. And so what he does in response, and this is cool because we have to remember Abraham here, and he doesn't always get this credit. Abraham wasn't a good old Jewish boy. He wasn't raised in temple. He had pagan parents. He was a Gentile. Right? He didn't have all this learned sort of process in how to worship. He's, he's kind of learning on the fly, and God's building the, the nation, which ultimately becomes our nation, out of this guy. And he responds that he built an altar there to the Lord, to the Lord who had appeared to him. And so he, so he, he built an altar, this, this act of worship, this, this what would be kind of temple worship in this moment. He said, God, all right, if you're God, I, I see what you're saying. I don't get it. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I worship you and I'm grateful. Right? He, had, he had journeyed to this land. All right, he gets to the land. It's, it's, not, it's, it's occupied. I'm still going to worship. And I love the moment that those moments for Abraham. We'll see this a few other times that the story has these altar moments. And we don't know that he is this, he's not a perfect guy. He already has some, some issues, but he's doing the best he can. And God receives that. God receives this, this worship. And so from there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with, with Bethel on the west and Ai, which is Ai uh, on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called the name of the Lord. So he has this moment where he sees Canaan. God said, this is for you to send. He's like, all right, I worship you, God. That's awesome. And then he keeps going on because he wasn't supposed to be there yet. And that's kind of a tease. That's sometimes hard when God almost gives us a glimpse, like, man, it's going to be awesome. Here's a glimpse of it, but it's not for today. And it might not even be for tomorrow. It may not even be in this lifetime. Oh, that hurts. Who wants to be involved with something like that? He says, Abraham, this is about... This is about your descendants. This is so much bigger than you. And Abraham says, all right, I worship you. That's awesome. And he brings him sacrifice. And so he goes down to this, the east of Bethel. And you can't really see, but there's these little towns. And Bethel's this town here. Egypt's over here. Uh, Jerusalem would be here. Ethel and then Ae is, is kind of next to it, to the, to the east of it. And he pitches a tent between these little towns. And he doesn't really have a home because he's left his home. And he doesn't settle into this new town. He kind of pitches a tent like on the road between the towns. And that's sort of his life. And we, we see that about Abraham a few times in his story, in his narrative. He's a pilgrim. He's a sojourner. I mean, he's going to be this guy that God's going to establish this nation, but he never really even gets a home of his own. He's living between these two cities. You can imagine trying to set up camp and just kind of waiting. I don't know what to do next. I've, I got these people. We have to live. And he's seeing people going back and forth from IA and Bethel. And he's like, I'm here. I got my tent. And, you know, I'm following the promises of God. Yeah, awesome. God's going to make a great nation of me. Here I am living in my tent by the side of the road. Right? And sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? Like you've been called out into something, but you look around like, I don't know. It looks like those people actually have it a lot, a lot better than I do. Man, maybe I wish God never actually spoke to me. That looks, it actually seems easier. 
when God calls him out, he ends up in this, this, this tent in between two cities. A little further on in verse 9, it says, Abraham set out and continued toward Negev. And Negev in, in Hebrew in the biblical language really just meant the south. It, it, it doesn't really have a specific place. There is a Negev desert down there. It's probably what they meant here is he just was starting to move south. And it, and it fills in, in verse 10. Now there was famine in the land. Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And, and we see Egypt kind of plays this role throughout the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, Jesus was kind of retreated to Egypt when he was born. So sometimes Egypt's bad, sometimes it's good, but it was a world power. It is a place, and people would recognize it. And if there was famine in the land, Egypt was a good, safe bet to go find food. We see that later on in Genesis. Joseph obviously establishes himself in, in Egypt, and people find kind of rest in Egypt. And it doesn't say anything in this, in this verse. We don't know. Did God say, don't go to Egypt? Did God say, stay here in your tent on the side of the road and just trust me? Or did it not totally matter? We don't get all that. What we get is Egypt, Abraham said, I got to go get some food, and I got to get moving. And so Abraham's like, I'm going to go and, and start try to take care of my people. And he was about to enter Egypt. He said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. And Sarah was probably in her, in, uh, in her 60s, not quite as old as, as Abraham, but um, in, in her 60s. I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say to you, this is his wife? Like, this is his hot wife? They're going to kill me and let you live. Like, man, we want that. So he's kind of nervous about walking into this, into this place with his wife. He says, say you're my sister, so I'll be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Like, this is a really horrible thing to do. This is nasty and gnarly, and like, this is not a good dude here. And he's supposed to be, you know, leading out to establish this new nation, and he's taken some great leaps of faith, and now he's kind of back into like, all right, I got to get to Egypt, we got to get food, and gosh, if they see you, they're going to kill me. And they're going to take you, so let me just give them you right now. That'll be easier for both of us. And said, so, let's say you're my sister. So what will happen if your sister, he'll pro- they'll probably treat me nice, like, oh, we, we like her. That's your sister? Oh, what can we do for her? So the Egyptians see you, and they will say, this is my wife. And then they will kill me and let you, and let you live. So he says, say you're my sister. So when Abraham came to Egypt, the, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman, as he projected. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. So his officials and, and some, some renderings of this could be his princess, people from his court, people who are looking out for the pharaoh. The pharaoh was the highest in the land. They're kind of, you know, they got eyes everywhere. And these, these foreigners are coming into, into Egypt. And if we can picture, it's probably not him just sneaking in with her. Like, it's probably a bunch of them coming for food. And they, they said, hey, this guy came in. And man, you've got to see his wife. Or you've got to see the woman he's with. Like, she's something else. You will like her. And for these guys, they're just trying to get ahead. So if they went out and they found, hot, you know, hot women and brought them to Pharaoh, Pharaoh was like, oh, yeah, these guys are my guys. So they're kind of working their angle, and they see Abraham, and they report back, like, man, this, this is someone you'd be interested in. And so sure enough, she says, hey, uh, Abraham says, this is my sister, and, and they take her away. And they take her away to Pharaoh's court. Now, we don't know all that went down in Pharaoh's court, but you can imagine the intention there. If not, what actually happened, being brought into his harem. Right? And this is going to be the mother of, of the nation, of the, end up being the kingdom of God on earth through Abraham. And this is what happened in the beginning. This is a gnarly story. Our roots are pretty, are pretty twisted. This guy's lying about his wife, and his wife gets taken into a harem. And, that, and again, we don't know for sure what actually happened, but it's, it's 
highly likely she was used in that process. Right? This is Sarah. This is what kind of happened to her. So when Pharaoh's, sister, excuse me, when Pharaoh's official saw her, they took her away. Sorry, my Bible's glitchy. Technology freaking me out. Um, he said, he treated Abraham well for her sake, and Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. So Abraham ends up making out like a bandit for giving over his wife to Pharaoh. He gets all this really great stuff. I mean, and I, you know, I, I hesitate to say that he kind of pimped out his wife. That's what he did here. Right? And, and maybe he was just trying to be protective of everybody, just himself, but I don't know. Maybe he was just a dirty opportunist. Maybe there's a piece of Abraham that, that is that way. Like, I'm gonna, you know what, I can, make, I can make this better for everybody. Let me let you go. This will work out in the long run. God's got this big plan for me, but I'm going to need some more stuff. I'm going to wait it out. I mean, they treat him very well, and they take care of him with, with livestock and people. It says, verse 17, The Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So at some point, whether this happened right away or, or during the process, Pharaoh kind of starts dealing with some disease around his household. And, and probably some, some um, translations read this as plagues. It, it very likely just could have been sores, like sores in the body, really painful sores. And so Pharaoh summons Abram, like, hey, what have you done to me? Because something's up. And I, I don't know, maybe every time he started going by his wife, he started getting these really nasty sores, and he kind of picked up on something. Like, we don't know for sure, but it's likely maybe God protected in that moment. But he ends up cursing Pharaoh. So Pharaoh summoned Abram, what have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? So at some point, this kind of came out. Why did you say to me she's my sister? So I took her to be my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. So Pharaoh has to deal with this, this situation. He actually has some honor here, which is interesting for Pharaoh. If you think about Pharaoh and Abraham, Pharaoh typically the enemy. You know, we're, we're not like Pharaoh. Pharaoh's ex- explain, ex- displaying some integrity in this situation. Father Abraham, the guy we like to sing about, is not. But isn't that the story of God? He's just about grace and just using messy people. And Pharaoh in this situation, he didn't really do anything wrong, and he has to deal with it. And that's also sometimes a byproduct of sin. I don't care how great of a guy Abraham is in, in our memory banks. He had some sin in his life, and it ended up causing a lot of painful sores on somebody else. And I don't know, some of you, maybe we are that person, the perpetrator. You've caused some soreness. Or maybe you're just dealing with that, like, man, I didn't even do anything. And that person who's supposed to be so great and godly and loving is causing me tons of pain right now. That's hard. Those are hard places to be in. Those are hard lessons to learn. It's hard when someone else's sin, uh, the consequences bear down on you. And so Pharaoh says, take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abraham to his men. They said, listen, get this guy out of here. And they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. And Abraham in this moment, it, it, it's kind of interesting. It it, it basically seems like he just took everything with him and left. Like, there's part of me thinking, like, I don't know, man. You got caught. Just give everything back and move on. Like, wash your hands of it. Give back the donkeys and, like, get out of town. But he seems to kind of like, I got it now anyway. Let's just go. And he keeps the stuff with him. Come on, Abraham. Father Abraham. What's with this guy? So Abraham went up from Egypt to Negev, to the Negev. And this is, this is kind of a, so Egypt's again down there and past where the Red Road is. And and he starts to come back up into this land where he came from in Canaan and in, in this sort of desert region. 
back toward where he had, he had come from in Bethlehem. It says, he went up to the Negev with his wife and everything he had and lot with him. And Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. So he got this really great gift from Pharaoh and he used it pretty well. He did very well for himself. So it's hard to imagine this guy, but he, he had a little bit of a tough journey and he sort of seemed to have taken things into his own hands. He's like, and now he's doing well. He's got a bunch of stuff. He's taking care of his people. He's got silver and gold. He's very wealthy. From the Gev, he went to a place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ia, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. And Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham, he gets back to this place where he had come from. And he builds, he builds an altar again. He calls on the name of the Lord again. And, and I have to believe in this moment, again, we don't see everything between the texts. He may have had a moment like, you know what? I might have blown it back there. Because he's back to where he started. He gets back before the altar of God. And if I'm Abraham and I'm calling out to God, I'm starting to feel pretty bad. And he goes through this moment. He's between Bethel and, and Ia. And, and Bethel and Ia is kind of cool. Bethel actually means house of praise, uh, house of praise or house of, house of the Lord. And it's sort of a revere term. And Bethel's obviously used today. Bethel's music and colleges and churches. Bethel, it's, it's this house of God or house of praise or house of the Lord. And, and Ia is, is, is place of ruin. It's a place of ruin or destruction. And it's a city that it was just up and down all the time and falling apart in, in, in a city of, city of destruction or place of destruction. So Abraham is living in between these two places. He's living between this, this, this house of God and this place of this destruction in a tent. Man, I think that, that, that defines a lot of places, places I've been in my life. I'm not quite all the way in the house of God. I'm not all the way there, but I'm not totally in a place of destruction either. I'm kind of hanging out in this little tent. I'm just trying to figure things out in this, in this place. And Abraham calls the name of the Lord from this sort of middle, middle land. And God begins to kind of re-engage his life and his story. And we'll, we'll kind of get into that in, in future weeks. But, and I think for you and I, it's, it's always a fair question to kind of ask where we, at, where we would be in that story. Where would we be in that story? And the good news is, if we're all the way as, as gnarly as Abraham, God's promises still hold. The promise did not come back. God moves forward. God's grace moves forward. That's a story of, story of God that's incredible. And we look at the narrative of Scripture in our own lives and, and people who are, who are fallen and, and, and broken and, and messed up. And every instance throughout the text, it's just an opportunity for God to showcase his faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, right? Because even when his chosen ones fail, God goes out of his way to pick out specific, specific people and they, they tend to blow it. And God moves on. I, and I love that about our God. And, I, and we can get wrapped up in Abraham and everything else in, in these, these characters. But man, the story's about God. It's the story's about God using you and I. The story's about God using people who are like kind of in the middle a lot of the times. But I love that Abraham, he disciplines him, himself back to the altar. Even when Bob, maybe he doesn't feel like it. Maybe he thinks he's going to get in trouble. Maybe he'd rather pack up his bags like, all right, I got to get back to the altar. I got to get back to the altar. And some of us, we just need to remind ourselves, I just got to get back to the altar of God. I just need to speak the word of the Lord. Even if I'm in a bad place, even if I just sold my spouse for a bunch of things, like, right? Whatever you've done, wherever you're coming from, Abraham, like, I got to get back to the altar. And that starts to begin to write his course. So we're going to sing another song. We'll close out and um, let's take a moment and uh, 
Let's invite God into this space one more time. God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this honest story of the Bible, Lord, that even these great heroes of faith are, man, they're pretty messed up, God, um, as are we. But we thank you, Lord, that your mercy, your faithfulness never fails, that your promises push forward despite us. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that's just feeling weak, that the promises has maybe burned out or doesn't apply or they've thrown it off. The promises of love and grace and, and relationship with the Father still stand. Those are blessings, God. And I, pray, I pray for blessings of those who just, man, their heart aches. Their heart aches. Maybe they've done something, Lord. Call them back to the altar. Call us back to the altar. In Jesus' name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Again, that website address is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you and yours.